Blog Talk Radio. Back to the Shades of Blue Soccer Show. Uh, Mike from down the byline should be on. Mike, you there? I'm here. And Steve uh, from MLSsoccer.com, the guy who's not he can predict all games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, just the last two in a row and last year's MLS Cup, so, you know. That one doesn't count on our podcast. So. Oh, okay. All right. Well, the last two on here I've got there right now. Yeah, so you you will be put on the spot later in the show, obviously. Yeah, I've been thinking about um, that all day, but I probably will just pull out something out of my hat toward the end because that's what I did the last few times. Well, that's probably the best way, to be honest. All right. Um, first up, we since we've last held a podcast, we've with the Priest CCL match. You want to kind of break it down, what happened there, Steve? Uh well, it, I think what happened was Sporting really <laughs> did. They had a, a first half where they could have had a lot, a lot more good things happen offensively, but they went to the break at uh, at one one. And second half, everything changed. The things started going in. Tony Davali really asserted himself um, with two goals, uh, and our, the defense is, I think, really back to where <laughs> it was before when the club was playing some of its best ball. Saw Colin all over the place, breaking up attacks, uh, generating attacks. Beasler was back to being – he's the guy you don't notice until he's in the right place at the right time. So that, that partnership was working really well. And I think that Sporting really were looking to make a statement that they belonged at the top of this uh, the CCL group, and I think they went out and did it. It was a, it was a really strong all-around performance, and I thought, uh, I thought they did, did a – a really good job of, of controlling the pace of the game, taking the game to uh, Saprissa, who, by the way, are a club that could probably take a couple of, at least a handful of MLS teams um, here in the States. They're, they're arguably the best non-MLS, non-Liga MX club out there in CCL this year. So I think it's a pretty impressive win overall. How about you, Mike? What did, uh, what, what did you see coming out of this game? I mean, I agree with Steve. It was an impressive performance, especially in the second half. Um, first half, the uh, first half, it was really starting to feel like like sporting from uh, from a couple years ago, really, with generating the chances, generating more chances on goal, really, than we have the the past few games. Just not being able to finish, which ha- has seemed to have been uh, stereotypical sporting for the last few years. I mean, Dom could have had what four in the first half, if not for uh, some decent saves and some poor finishing. Um, and second half, the the team just really started to play better um, o- overall. Diwali got more involved. Zuzi was a, a pest in the first half, but he really made it. He, he really turned it on in the second half. Both of them were were caused to preach of tons of trouble 
down the wings all game. And the the second goal was, was always seemed to be coming for Sporting, and then the the third one was real really came when we finally hit somebody on the counter as they were trying to uh, trying to come back and bring the game back to us. So it, it was a very good performance up and down for Sporting. Was there some change at half, or I mean, did they just kind of finally get their act together? I mean. Um... Did you see some, you know, tactical change or positional change, or anything that just made that difference, or did just, you know, they figured it out and put it all together? Really, I don't think there was much tactic-wise that changed. I mean, we we saw Zuzi going at uh, Jordan Smith throughout the first half and throughout the second half. We saw, we we we. I think what ended up happening is we just executed it better. That's a fair assessment. I don't think I think that the whole thing was you, you're getting chances to go finish them. What's funny is by and large the chances they finished in the second half weren't always the same chances that they were getting in the first half. I think part of that was was Tony getting getting involved uh, more in the attack because Dwyer still had some chances in the second half, but he was. Well, you look at that last goal; he was the creator. It was his ball that that went across the middle that Benny wasn't quite able to get to, and you got Tony at the, at the back post to to knock it in. So I think maybe the chances they were creating weren't quite the same chances that they were getting in the first half, but it was it's all a matter of you know, getting those those spots in front of the goal and putting it away. And they just hadn't done a, a, an outstanding job of putting it away in the first half. And, of course, you look brilliant tactically when you knock them in. Sometimes when you generate a lot of offense like that, it's, it's really just getting in the rhythm and kind of getting the pace of uh, your teammates' balls when you haven't been doing that for the last three or four weeks. And you, you started, you know, last week they get it, or the last match with Chivas. And then this match, you, you start to get that, that rhythm. You you anticipate it a little bit better. Everybody's getting that confidence that they can finish. You, I mean, or at least get on the end of a ball. You think that was really part of it? Was they just kind of, they had that first half where they felt good about it and they came out and, and did it? I think that that could be part of it. I, I think that there are and the game against Chivas against again we always say well it's just Chivas but you beat anybody four 0 it's going to give you confidence you can finish. And uh, I think that they they did have a lot of confidence in the first half but you know what happens to confidence if he doesn't turn into goals. Um, I, I think the confidence was always there. I just think that they kept plugging away, figuring they were going to get their chances and then uh, they got the first one and as Mike said they they really punished Saprisa. On the counter when they're going for the equalizer, which is something that uh, that you know that, that Peter Vermees likes to see. He he likes to see his team go out and try to get more goals, even when they're they're ahead in the game, because one it it, it keeps them in the good in the good habit of of going after the other team's net, of, of trying to, to ring up as many as possible to, to really control the game. And two, you never know what's going to happen. Somebody gets a fluke, somebody gets a weird bounce, you get a weird penalty. So I, I think that, that one, the, the the confidence was repaid with, with goals, and two, that they're, they've got that killer instinct uh, really back in the enforced side against Chivas, where they kept going after Chivas even though the match was out of hand. So I, I think that that bodes well going down the down the stretch for sports. Now the the next match coming up is a, a fairly familiar opponent. They've already played them once in CCL, and we played them last year. Is is there anything you can tell us about them, Mike, that we probably don't – well, it's probably a lot we don't know about them, but what can you tell us about them, about Esteli? Well, 
Esteli is uh, they're they're still on top of their their uh, well they're not on top at the moment but that's because the game's played but Esteli is undefeated in in their league at the moment they have the uh, they have the top scorer in the league who uh, we're, we sporting should be familiar with uh, he scored it he scored in KC last year, basically uh, Calero Calero is the is the leading scorer in Nicaragua at this point in time. Um, oddly enough, e- even though getting the two draws at home and the way the, the results have gone on the road, Estelle is still alive heading into uh, heading into this game. Um, being, basically, they basically for them to go through though, they, they need a miracle. They need to do a what they've never done in international competition, and that's win uh, a win period. And they need to do uh, they need do something they've only done twice and that's score goals. They've only scored two goals away from home in uh in international play. One of those last year being in Kansas City. But really Estelle has to actually beat Kansas City by by four goals to uh to put themselves on top of the group heading to the final match day. And then they need uh they need Kansas City and Saprisa to tie for uh for them to go through. So it's not it's okay. It's pretty much out of the realm of possibilities. I cannot see Castelli scoring that much against Kansas City with the way that they play. It's it's not something that I see happening. But it's still it's still something that is going to be in their mind and will play a role in the game tomorrow night. But overall, Castelli is a good team in their league, but they're. When it comes to Concacaf, when it comes to uh, even Central America, they're not—they're not a side that should cause a whole lot of trouble. Now we can go back to history and show how much trouble they caused us last year. Yeah, I mean they—they they came in last year, and we—you know—we thought we were Sporting was going to probably pretty much easily win that game, and um, after having won on the road, and they come in and kind of muck it up and keep sporting from getting any goal or keep sporting from winning that game. Um, is there any danger of that this year, you guys think, Steve? Uh, I don't think so this year. It, look at the window where that game happened last year as well. Uh, Beeler had been gangbusters start of the season and then really kind of tailed off his production. Dwyer had been killing it in USL Pro, but he really had not yet asserted himself as a big scorer here. In, in Kansas City, and that was that was made down toward the end of the league season. And then he really had that, that coming out party, I think, in the playoffs uh, against Houston. But so there was this window where nobody was the guy, and that's not the case right now. I mean, Dwyer, if he starts, um, is the guy. We've got Tony, who's got three goals in, in uh, two CCL matches. He's the guy in CCL really right now. Um, so Sporting have are not in that sort of offensive gap that they were when these two teams met last year. Now, Jake Peterson had the, had the equalizer and should have had the match winner. They should have won that if, if he finishes that. He knows that. I mean, would, we talked about that after the match. You know. But he did get him back in, got, got the point, which proved to be pretty important with, uh, when Olympia came in and held him scoreless here. But I don't see that there's much danger of Sporting not ringing up some goals uh, against Esteli. And I and you can know, remember down there, Esteli's goal was an own goal. Kempen made a save and it bounced off Claros. So 
Esteli have in three previous matches against Sporting have scored on their own once. So I don't, I just don't see them ringing up a whole bunch, and especially against the defense. Even if Colin, and we'll talk about this later, I know, even if Colin doesn't play, uh, I don't see them ringing up a bunch of uh, of offense against the Sporting team. And I see Sporting really with several options to stick the ball in the net against Esteli and come up with a pretty significant win. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think they're the... Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, Bob. Uh, I was just going to make a smart-ass comment but, uh, about uh, the no. Claro's own goal down there. Was uh, He just couldn't resist scoring on gringos in Central America. But uh, go ahead, Mike. Well, re- really, the the when it comes to that, when it comes to that game, I honestly I wouldn't be surprised if Fermi's had the team rewatch the uh, game from last year, and it's one of those things. This is one of those games where Vermes is just going to be all over the guys to remember last year and not let that happen again. Basically, this is one of those games where he he'll have where I trust him to have the guys up for this game and knowledgeable of what happened last year and not let it happen again, basically. Well, yeah, I, I think there's very little doubt that he will have reminded them of uh, coming out and not doing it last year. That doesn't mean they can't do it again, but uh, I, we'll, we'll probably get the predictions at the end of the show, so we'll, I'll save it for that. But I would say next up is what kind of lineup do we think Vermees is going to put out there? How strong of a lineup um, – and Steve alluded to earlier about maybe Colin playing. We heard today he had a little bit of a, a knock or a strain. Or how did how did Peter phrase that, Steve? He said he may have an issue, and I pressed him a little bit. It's not the <laughs> hamstring that that Peter said it's not the hamstring that was bothering Colin earlier this year. So it's something that might keep him out um, tomorrow. Because when you look ahead to New England, that's a pretty important match as well. Uh, not sure what 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 might happen if if Colin can't play. My guess would be that Lawrence Holmes slots back and then Claro stays in that D mid spot. But we'll just have to see. It could be one of those things where Colin's out there anyway. Doing speculation right now. How long starting lineup do you think he puts out there for him though, Mike? Because it's pretty important for getting a win at this point in CCL. No, it, it absolutely is important at this point to to get the win. But with, with short turnaround for New England on on Friday, Burmese also has to keep an eye on that. I mean, if if Colin was healthy, I'd almost say say that you you have to you, you start him. But uh, from what you guys were saying, if he can't go, you you almost you either have to drop Olin back or you have to probably slide Ellis into the central de- defense and. Honestly, I'm I'm of the feeling that we need to that that Julia or Sinovic could you really use a game off to just kind of rest a little bit because those two have basically played more or less every game since since Myers went down. So having having those two having one of those two at least get a rest would, would be a bonus. So being able to put Ellison would be nice. But if uh, if if Colin can't go, then you ha- do have to look at uh, look at pushing Olin back, which puts Carl in the midfield. But the one the one constant I think is that we will see Olin start this game. I, I can't see him not with the fact that he's suspended for Friday. It, it's just a question of whether he'll be in central defense or in the, in the D mid position. True. Um, yeah, I would actually. 
if you if you get the versus Sonobi, usually out because you probably rest both of them in this game. We only got one Ellis. Which one do you rest? Um, if if I'm resting somebody, I'm resting Igor probably, um, and that's just because he's he's still not the the, the physical specimen that Sesanovic is. Um, he's he's made a lot of strides. He's made a lot of strides in in the, the weight room, I think, in, in his in his in his ability to be a little more physical. But I think that he's still the guy who may might do a little bit better with the breather going into into Friday's match because Friday's match really is big. The thing that, that I'm going to be watching, and it is in the midfield that that, that I'm not talking about the the D mid spot, but the other two spots in the midfield. Who Vermees runs out there against Estelli? Because what we've got coming in on Friday here is you got Lee Wynn coming in on Friday, and defending him has got to be in, in the middle of the park. has got to be a huge priority for Sporting, because if you give him space to start creating to, to, to operate in the middle of the park, he's going to make something happen, and it's not going to be good for your club. So I'm going to be really interested to see who Vermees uses in the midfield. Uh, tomorrow to maybe keep people fresh uh, to go up against Win on Friday night. Do you do you think he hold, might hold the uh, Naga out, Mike? That's my thought. You you have to rest Nagamura for this for this game, in my opinion, um, with him still coming off the uh, the ankle injury that kept him out for most of the summer. You, you, you want to have him fresh with fresh legs ready to go for uh for Friday. So I really do think that you you sit uh you, you sit Nagamur for for this game. You 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 maybe give Lopez the uh the run out in the middle um or or you um or again maybe you even put Claros and Olam on the field together. Who knows? But you I, I think you have to rest uh rest Nagamur for this game. Yeah, I could easily see Lopez out there, um, or some other combination. That's that's the um, Vermees has at least a, a few options at this point with most people healthy and no USL and everything. Everybody's back at this point. Um, and the question I asked earlier about Sinovic or Juliao, I would almost lean towards resting Seth because he kind of had that really bad stretch there a couple three weeks ago, uh, and one of them being against New England. Um, and also, I kind of look at Juliao as he's still a rental. We don't really own him, so if we kind of damage him, we can return him. <laughs> Drive him like you stole him. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of another attempt at a bad joke, but some truth. Well, the, 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 the only thing there that I don't see them maybe not doing something like that is because of that agreement they had with women and saying they don't want to uh, break the prototype, basically, as it were. Because if if, if Fluminense is going to be sending talent this way, starting you know next year or continuing next year for the next couple of years, I think you really want to show that you're taking care of the guys that they send up here. So I, I did really would think they they're going to err on the side of maybe you know who who gets a, who needs a really needs a rest here. They might do it just for Igor, just because of that long term plan. Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, all right. With um, with the wins, the last couple wins, is the team 
right back to where we thought they were or where they should be. Do we still have any questions? Um, well, I, I they still have some questions. Is is what happens if uh, if they lose uh, Seth at the left back? Um, they really don't have a. I think Kevin can play over there, but he, he's not a natural left footer. Uh, and if they lose Seth at left back, then there, there goes the other long throw in that guy. And that's been a, a pretty decent weapon for them. Um, so that, that's one question is, can he hold up all the way through what happens if they lose him? Uh, I think, what is Baylor going to come back down the stretch? If Baylor comes back down the stretch, I think sporting is really going to be dangerous. But there's still that not having not having a chance at right back still is going to be, there's going to be a shadow from that down, down the stretch. Not having Ike at center back, there's still going to be a little bit of a shadow from that. Do I think that they're going to be back to as good as they can be with all the roster craziness that's happened? Yeah, I think I think that's going to be the case. But I think that roster, there's always going to be that little naggy, what if something else goes wrong? Question. But has has have they done a good job of adjusting? Absolutely, obviously, because with all the the horrific uh, shuffling they've had to do, they're still two points off the lead, and they're still leading their CCL group. Any thoughts, Mike? I mean, I, I think there there are still some questions of of the back line heading down the stretch. I mean, that when we they didn't have Torres on the field, they and outside of Eric Torres, Chivas's offense looks looks downright horrible. I mean, it, it it's arguably one of the worst in in the league without Torres. Uh, actually, probably is the worst in uh, or is probably one of the worst of the last few years without without Torres in there. Um, and that's including the D.C. United team that was led by the own goal last year and their leading scorer. So <laughs> it, it, it's that that game, you, you can't put you can't put a whole lot defensively on that game. Now, against Saprisa, Colin looked back to his normal. He, he shut down... Uh, uh, Ariel Rodriguez amazingly in that game, digging for fouls that weren't there than I think he did trying to get a shot on goal. Beesler looked better. Juliao lo- looked um, looked the most confident I've seen him defensively all season. And Sinovic to round- looks to be rounding back into form. But I'd like I'd like a more more consistency in, in the performance before I before I say that that question been fully answered, in my opinion. All right, one more question. I know we've kind of talked about this before, but is is the defense rounding back into form a product that we have the sporting secret sauce back on the field, Nagamura? I, I seriously think that, that Apollo has got a phone booth and a cape someplace in his house because it, it just seems like when he – Comes back from from these knocks that he's got, and he's getting older, and he, he's he's had the, the the injury issue for the last several years. You almost kind of have to accept two things: one, he's going to miss a pretty decent chunk of the season with injuries, but when he comes back, he's going to come back at a good time, and he's going to give the team a, a massive lift because they really, when he's not in there, they don't have the guy who does the things that he does, and it's not. Just the gritty play. It's it's, it's the positioning. It's the leadership. It's just it, there's there's there are few people who understand 
just exactly how to play a role and play it 100% um, and, and stick to it as not anymore. He's absolutely dialed into what Peter Vermees expects of him. And even if he's going to be sore after, even if he's going to be you know, moving pretty slowly for the next couple of days, he's going to give everything he has within himself, within that, within that philosophy, within that, that role, to to help the team uh, succeed, and yeah, yeah, that's going to involve blowing people up in the midfield, and I don't mean dirty play. I mean getting there, breaking the possessions, winning the ball, um, distributing the ball, just the things he does with that really gritty, but also at the same time really smart and experienced box box play. Is he the X factor? I think it'd be really hard to argue against that. I mean, if he doesn't come back in the in the playoffs of last year, I don't think they're hoisted the MLS Cup. If he doesn't come back. Um, when he does to, to kind of help that, that loss streak. I don't, maybe they're not in the position they're in now. I really think he's the guy who, whatever the timing is, is you, you kind of are beginning to count on him to ride to the rescue at some point during the season, and he's doing that right now. Honestly, I think Nagamura allows the rest of the, the, the likes of Olam Claros Beasley or Colin, I think it allows them to play their to play within their role more. Um, I, I think with him out of the game, with, with him out of the lineup, those, those got those positional players try to do more to compensate for Nagamura not being in there, and that and that's what's caused a lot of the problems. They're overcompensating in, in other spots, which is what's causing, which was what which was what was causing the uh the breakdowns in the center of midfield against the likes of England and uh and DC and Houston in, in those bad losses it, it was we had no real control over the midfield and the guys that were in there were trying to overcompensate for that and that was with issues i think Gamera they know his ability they know his role they know they can count on him to to uh and it it allows them to play directly in their role, which suits them better and allows the entire team to better as a whole. Yeah, yeah, and obviously I brought it up, but I, I think he's the, the the secret ingredient to the the secret ingredient dish there. Um, I think they got that from uh, Kung Fu Panda, by the way. But um, <laughs> he he's the guy who, when a forward loses it and doesn't intercept the the person coming back up the field with it, he's the guy that gets over there and knows how to at least cut down the angle so that the they ha they only have one passing lane and so the defense knows where to read that. And he or if he needed to he'd foul the guy. Or maybe he would chip the the extra runner coming down the field so the guy with the ball wouldn't have the that extra pass to make or the other option to make, again allowing the defense to, to make that smarter, easier play. He wouldn't allow three runners coming down the field, or you know, just all those little things that, not that other players filling in his position wouldn't do well, they just weren't always as efficient at it. He's one of those guys who just doesn't always look like he's the superstar, but a team plays better when he's on the field. All right, enough worship of Naga. <laughs> um, this is the best about every broadcast we're on, isn't it? Uh, well, in, until it gets proved wrong, I think. And 
um, I, I think it was Cody telling us in one of the podcasts with uh, Julial, he he follows both of them on Twitter and whatever other social media stalking he does, but he said Julial just, like, worships Naga as a god. You can see, like, the look in his face when they're at dinner together and stuff like that. And I'm like, it might be a little more than I want to follow people on Twitter, but... <laughs> Uh, and that may be why Julie Alice is settling down too. Is you have Naga on the field to say, "Hey, get your ass back there and defend." You know? a steadying influence, yeah, and a steadying influence who who can communicate with Igor in his own language. I mean, Matt, I've, I've seen Matt working with with him, um, just you know after after training sessions within training sessions. But there still is that that language gap. Naga can 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 talk to Igor during a match in the language that he just instinctively understands, and he's a really calming influence, I think, yeah, on that young right back. No doubt. Your favorite part of the night, Steve? Oh, yeah, it's prediction time. I, Mike has to go first, because I was I was one of going second, I think. So we're going to put Mike <laughs> on the spot first. Uh, Mike, you I'm won't. more than happy to be on the spot. Um, no, I, I mean... I I can't see Sporting losing this game. Um, I, I just think that Vermes is going to have the team ready. Vermes has 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 team remembering last year. It's they have the scoreline taped up in the locker room or something to uh, to look at basically. But I mean, I, I just can't see it, it happening two years in a row. I, I think Sporting's probably going to take. I think Sporting takes this one 2-0. Two, two um, I'll go with uh, Bieler and Saad with the goals. Keith? Uh, okay. Uh, go, go ahead. I'll, 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 I'll let you guys limit the options, and I'll, I'll see what's left. <laughs> uh, actually, I will go with the last scoreline, 3-1, because I'm still not confident that we won't – score one on our own or something like that. And um, I'll say Bieler, uh Superhero Naga, and Lopez. Ricky Lopez. Okay. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'll tell you why. I think Sporting is due for something they haven't had yet which is that CCL beatdown of an overmatched opponent. Saprisa was a good team. Saprisa was not uh, was not an Esteli. And Esteli, again, they're, they're the, the perennial leaders in Nicaragua every year, but they're not an MLS caliber team. They're an overmatched side. And I think this is what Sporting are going to deliver their, their first real absolute home beatdown of an overmatched CCL opponent, so I'm going to call four nil. Well, I could be wrong, but I, I think that I think they're just going to go out and unload. Uh, I, I am I too. I'm calling Beeler for a goal. Uh, I'm, I'm, I think you have to ride the hot hand and go with Tony if he's out there. So that's two. Uh, I, I think I'm going to call Failhaber um, with a goal, and uh, for that fourth, uh, I think Zusi. Is going to is going to get the fourth goal. We'll see how that all plays out. But I really think they're due to just absolutely beat down a club that let's, let's be honest doesn't really belong hanging in a match with them here at Sporting Park. 
I think so much of that will really depend on how strong that lineup is because you just you listed a very strong lineup. Um, you know, Zusi, Failhaber, um, Bieler, and Tony. I mean, that's other than Bieler, that's that's three normal starters or potential starters. So we'll we'll see. Um, uh, well, and I go I based on something that Peter said. This is the next game is the one that's important. And, you know, I realize they've got a game, a couple of guys, and maybe these are guys who go 45. You know, so a couple of guys go 45. Uh, in this one, maybe Tony goes 45 and, and, and Saad comes in. Maybe Zeusy goes 45 and somebody comes in for him. Benny goes 45, somebody comes in for him. We'll see. But I, I'm basing it on, on giving them a, a pretty strong lineup, at least for 45, maybe 60, then resting some guys for Friday. But they really want to put this thing away. And so, yeah, if they go, I don't I don't see them putting out a uh, an entirely new lineup. Uh, again, I could be wrong, but I think this, this match is important enough. They want to really kind of put their stamp on this thing going down to Saprissa because anything can happen. You're going into that place in Central America. So I, I really think they want to come out and, and turn in a pretty strong performance, and that's why I, I called the the guys that I did and then the score that I did. No, I'm not arguing with that. Um, that's I would – so one more question was based on that. If you were Vermees, um, do you place more emphasis on this match or on the New England match? Because you gotta, I know Peter will always say it's always on the next match, it's always the next match, and I understand that logic, but you also have to understand that you may hold a couple players back if the next, the the not the next one, but the one after that's more important. Which one are you gonna say? If I could win one, which one do I go full out? Um, I'm gonna say that he goes full out for this one. This is just based on on things that we've talked about in the past. Yeah, the East Eastern Conference regular season title is still within reach. Um, and with that, you get back to CCL. You're automatically back in CCL. But there are more games left in the league than there are left in CCL. This is – there are two left. And, and, and going down to Saprissa, that place is – I mean, there's a reason it's one of the more feared venues outside of Liga MX in, in CONCACAF. Uh, and so I think – you are going to want to load up on this one and make sure that you get it. Because if, if you don't get this, then you've got a problem with having to go down there and get a result. If whatever happens on Friday, they don't get the result against New England they want to get, they've still got some time to recover. And then they've got the playoffs. They're, they're, his main focus, and I, he said this for some time, is getting into the playoffs. So I, I think that, that this is the game that I think if you're going to really go for it and and focus on getting one of these two, I would go, if, I, if I'm for me, and I want to know of him, I think he goes to try to get this one put away. How about you, Mike? Which one is most important to you? I mean, I, I think when you look at everything going on around within the MLS game, on Friday, I think that one has to be the the more important one. I know I know Vermes will say that, as you said, the next game. But I think, as as Steve pointed out earlier, it's it's an over on paper, um, and I think you can get away with resting a, a couple of those guys. I think you can get away with resting the likes of Zuzi or or Tony with uh, with an eye towards towards Friday. I don't think you can rest all of them. I, I mean I don't think um I, I don't think the likes of uh Munoz and Duke and the end of the bench midfielders that 
I think would be potentially seen as the likes of Failhaber are really the type of guys that would instill confidence in me in the game tomorrow night that we would be able to comfortably uh, win the game. But I think putting in the likes of like a front line of Saw, Beeler, and Sapong, I, I think that front line provides enough offensively to, to be able to go out and get the three points and in which case if you get to rest the the top three of uh, Zuzi, Dwyer, and Diwali in, in that situation. So I, I think there are places where you can rest guys, but with the way our team is, you, you obviously can't rest everybody. So I, I think we'll see. I, I think we'll see that Friday is going to be, but I, I don't think we're just going to run out the uh, spots spots uh, 12 through 22 in the starting 11. Okay. Good point. Um, I think we've probably covered a silly well enough unless I forgot something. Uh, Cromberg, you... that's about it. But we already knew about, we kind of knew that that was going to be the case going in just after that paperwork glitch that, that this was going to be the time that he'd get back in. So that's about the only thing that we know is going to change. Yeah, we talked last time about how Kronberg was going to be the man the next for the for the CCL match, and this time hopefully it'll be right. Uh, Andy hasn't torn up his paperwork again, but uh, now Peter said that the paperwork is cleared and uh, Kronberg will be eligible. So I'd expect to see him out there uh, in, in in goal. Which will be give give Sporting uh, the distinction of having used three different keepers in three different CCL matches this year, which I don't see any other club that's done that. It's a, another trivia question for Mike to ask people in a few years. <laughs> for the club to tweet out and Mike answer quickly, right? I don't answer those questions. I just say that I know them. Just giving you a hard time, Mike. Not okay. Um, let's see. Any uh, other roundtable or any other sticks that we could bring up that we didn't have already on our agenda? I think we I think we very well covered it. Um uh, be interesting to see what happens to him. I think it's gonna be again, I think it's gonna be a big win for sporting and give him some uh, and a big win that gives him some energy going into the uh the New England game. All right. Mike, you got anything? No, I mean I, I got nothing. Uh this yeah, the, this is gonna be this is going to be a big week, I think, for the for the team overall. Period with, uh, with with two very big games coming up in in the span of a couple of days. Absolutely. Um, okay, though. Say again. I, you broke up there for a second. Um, well, I, Mike and I have kind of a long running tradition of doing what we call the "Where's Will John" update. Because uh, Will John, after he left Sporting or left the Wizards, had moved to quite a few different clubs, and so it was always just a Mike would come up with uh, different things about former Wizards, Kansas City Sporting players, um, and I don't know if Mike had actually caught onto this yet, but uh, Will John has moved to a new club, so the where Will John update is really appropriate as where is Will John? He moved to a team in Morocco. Morocco. Mass Yeah. He was with uh Hi. team in Azerbaijan. Yep. I think that was right. Yeah, he, he was with uh Zal 
in Azerbaijan, and I hadn't seen him appearing in any of their games, even though he still appeared on the roster on the side I used. So I I did not know that he had moved clubs. Yeah, it, it's actually just been uh, within this last week, I believe. He moved to uh, MAS Fez. I'm not sure what the MAS stands for. Maghreb Association, Maghreb Association Sportive de Fez. That's pretty much my Wikipedia search right there. So. <laughs> Will Travis, Will John. Yeah, he's he's played in more countries than most people have ever traveled to in his life. Yeah, gotta, I imagine his, his passport's got a few stamps in it. So. He, he's and, starting to get on Freddie Adu levels. <sighs> And Freddie's oh. never played an indoor soccer officially that I know of. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I that's all I have for tonight. So I appreciate both of you guys uh, joining me, and it's been a pleasure as always. So, any last words? Uh, well, just four nil. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll go out in that limb. We'll see if I can uh, if I if it's gloat or hang my head tomorrow. That's 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 uh, <laughs> that's my last word. Well, tell you, tell you what, uh, if if it's 4-0, I will, as soon as I get a chance after the game, I will tweet that you have mastered the art of fiction for the last three games. I will, I will if it's not 4-0, I'm going to pretend this conversation never happened. <laughs> you will have to ha- hack in and uh, delete the recording. <laughs> All right. Uh, again, thanks, guys, and I will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having us. Me on. All right. From the front porch, there's a party on in here. Well, it's a football night. Well, it's a football night. We can gather all our friends all around the stove. It's not a bad thing to do. Well, it's a football night. Well, it's a football night. When I find out it's the blood, you know we're going to feel all right. Final with the blows, you know we're gonna feel the